0: All right. Hello. Welcome. Uh, This is Back of the Net, CISC soccer podcast. Today we have Pat White, who's one of our staff coaches, as well as our camp director, as well as our futsal director. Uh, Pat's been in the area for a couple years. If you've been to one of our camps, you've seen him. He does a fantastic job organizing the staff and really providing a lot of great opportunities for the players. But what we're going to be talking about today is futsal. Pat's a former U.S. national team player, has played, I believe, in multiple tournaments. He's played a lot of games for the U.S. national futsal team. He also played college soccer. He also uh, played for the MPSL. So he's got an incredible background that unless you ask him about it, you probably haven't heard about it. So I'm really excited to talk to Pat. Futsal, I think, is is fantastic. Um, But I've never had any experience with it other than with players that I've coached over the years that grew up playing futsal. So I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Pat, thanks for being on.
1: Thanks, Barry. A fan of the show and uh, excited to be on.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, let's start. Let's start with Wisconsin, right? That's where we're from. Did you grow up all of your life in Wisconsin? I know you went, I'm pretty sure you went to high school and played college soccer in Wisconsin, but can you give us a little bit of background on what it was like growing up there? And it always seems to me that kind of like St. Louis, Wisconsin's got a little bit of a, a soccer hotspot. So I'd like to know if that's true or how it influenced you and like, what's the background there?
1: Yes. So I grew up in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Pretty much my whole life have lived in in Wisconsin until three years ago when I moved here to uh, Charlotte. Um, Soccer in Wisconsin, well, predominantly Milwaukee, uh, very ethnic um, uh, based um, clubs, the Croatians, the Eagle, or sorry, the Bavarians. So the German clubs, the Croatian clubs, the Serbian clubs. um, That's really what I grew up in is is playing in a, in a very ethnic type league um you know which each each club kind of welcomed everybody and so grew up in that um a lot of immigrants came over and it was really a club feel you had your clubhouse um you had your dinners after games and you kind of grew up wanting to play on the big the big field you know uh they kind of made it like a stadium setting and it would be fans so uh, you know from Three years old, the first time I stepped on the field uh, till that 18th birthday, you're ready to play on that big field, and you kind of look forward to it. So that's kind that, of what Milwaukee was.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's what I, that's. What I was I was hoping I was right, but that was kind of what I was thinking. Um, you know, the the U.S. soccer, the history of U.S. soccer, a lot of the, the cities, right? And Milwaukee's obviously a city. But if we look at, um, I'm not sure which city in Pennsylvania, but the same idea was happening in Pennsylvania, you had a lot of uh, Yugoslavian immigrants that were in that area. And basically, they're like, this is our sport and this is what we're doing. And then a lot of the soccer uh, just kind of grew out of these areas. So it's been a little different, at least for my, my upbringing here in the Davidson Charlotte area. We didn't really have that. But if you've been around college soccer, if you've been around U.S. soccer for long enough you kind of hear these pockets. So I think that's really fascinating. So the ethnic clubs in the area, you were part of one of those. Was it a, was it, was it a German club? I mean, everybody was welcome, but what was sort of the, the starting group for this team that you grew up playing for?
1: Well, so kindergarten, actually my, the school team in kindergarten had one um, kind of like your middle school soccer here. And uh, the first practice, well, oh, my neighbor, my neighbor's older brothers played um, with a German club and so I went to school with my, the youngest son of theirs and, uh, went to the first practice and they said, after practice, I enjoyed it. Everything else, they said, Hey, we have, uh, we need a coach. Anyone's dad want a coach or mom want a coach. And I said, my dad will, I just, I don't know why I volunteered, but I did went home and Hey dad, you're coaching. <laughs> and so, uh, a former football player in high school, um, you know, he was, he was a, a sheriff in town, you know, deputy sheriff in town. And, uh. So what do you get into me? But of course I'll do it for you. So he came out and he was my coach through eighth grade. Well, about sixth grade, we started to realize that a couple of the kids in our team um, actually three of us from my grade school went pro. And um, so we were looking for another place to kind of uh, grow and we found a German club and uh, the first German club we looked at, uh, none of us made it, (laughs) but back then they used to do U 12, U 14, U 16. Um, and so it was an older group at the time that I was trying out for one of the better teams in the state, and so we didn't make it because we are the, we the younger ones. I was a tiny guy, and um, so we went to the other German club and uh, called uh, Milwaukee Sport Club. And uh, obviously, my dad followed over, uh, became vice vice president of the club. You know, so kind of made it a family thing. Yeah, he, he doesn't have any German in him, but uh, you know, again, it was all about playing soccer.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good background. My dad, my dad was a college coach, but. He grew up playing, uh, I mean, football was his first love. I'm named after a football player, and he played football in high school and played football in college. And it wasn't working out for him, and he switched over to soccer, and then that's what he started coaching. Yeah, yeah that's that's that, the, that's
1: interesting. Good. One of the big things about Milwaukee, um, Milwaukee was one of the few places in the country where you could play indoor and outdoor pro soccer, and so what started to happen was a lot of guys started to. Uh, um, come to Milwaukee, play indoor, outdoor. And, um, back in the day was a league was the top level of, of outdoor soccer. And then obviously NPSL, MISL and all that were the top level of indoor soccer. So you could make a good living playing indoor, outdoor. And so we had a lot of guys that started moving to Milwaukee and then find staying, staying in Milwaukee, because you could, you could, um, play pro indoor, play pro outdoor, but then also the soccer was so big, you could make good money coaching, And so when I was about 11, I went to a camp. It was overnight camp called uh, Lakeshore Soccer Camp. It was at Wisconsin Parkside, which is the school I attended. And um, the former coaches of that were, it was run by uh, Bob Gansler. Yeah. Former U.S. National 1990 World Cup coach. Um, They haven't been to the World Cup in, what, 50 years. He was one of the directors of it. Um, Coach Kilps, who was the coach at Parkside. And then there was guys like Louis Bennett, who's uh, head coach at Marquette. um, Sasha Sarosky. Yep. Um, big time coach in the East. And then uh, Louis Bennett, or sorry, um, uh, Brian Tompkins, another one, I think he's at Yale right now. Um Sasha's at Maryland, you know, so you got a lot of these big time coaches that were came to Milwaukee to play um, and kind of had their roots. And then, and then the, the college game started to take off there. Um, and uh, you have some big names from there that I grew up actually playing for a lot of those guys. So
0: yeah, it's a, it's an interesting history. Yeah. Um I, I know I know Sasha from from I had a Macedonian player that I played for or that played for me in one of the colleges I was coaching at and and uh I believe Shirosky is from Macedonia as well so he was he was in contact with him when he was playing for me and I didn't realize he had a he had a background uh up in the Wisconsin area but just another good example, right? Soccer soccer coaching, soccer playing tends to be a pretty small small world when when you bring everything together. And yeah. I just had no idea, but yeah. that, I mean, it kind of influences this idea that Milwaukee was this, this hot spot, and it, I didn't realize it was because there was the indoor outdoor and it just sort of everything came together. So you grew up with great coaching uh, and just a, a passion. Would you say there was a passion in the community for it? Would you say that it just those that played it were super passionate? Was it all around or was it surprising that there was
1: soccer there? I think it was the pockets, right? I mean, um, you, you, you didn't, East, I mean, there was times with the wave, with Milwaukee, wave, which is the indoor, um, in, in our hot times, you know, we had 18,000 fans in a championship. Um, so it was, po- po- the wave was popular. We got on the community, but then you go around the corner and who- everybody else is like, who's the wave, you know? So maybe those 18,000 people of, you know, what, 800,000 people, those are the only people that knew soccer. But, um, when you went into those areas, you went into those communities, I mean, it was all about soccer there. Um, and I think those people didn't watch the football or basketball or anything else. It was, it was soccer, their life. And they lived there. I mean, it was unbelievable how many clubs that I've been through or played against. I mean, everyone's a friend there now. And um, it was about getting up and mowing that lawn, making that lawn look great. And then getting on the grills to get ready for uh, dinners after the, the games, you know, yeah, all- talk, talk
0: about that. Talk about that. Cause that's not, that's not the traditional U S environment, sort of that club environment, like a legitimate club environment
1: it's it's a, I mean, I don't know how these guys did it. You know, these, these guys, um, you know, the, and when I mean guys, I mean, um, families, um, men and women, um, you know, they were, they were there before work, setting things up, they go work. And then it was, it was to get ready for that Saturday and Sunday games. Um, and then when Sunday comes and it's the men's game at four o'clock, they're there at, you know, nine, ten 10 in the clock in the morning, getting the grill started, you know, coals, the pigs, um, chickens, whatever it was, um, it was ready for a barbecue for that four o'clock game. And you're looking at amateur soccer. Um, it was, it was a special thing. And, and these, these guys, they still do it. Um, these men and women still do it. And, uh, um, one thing that's taken over a little bit, obviously, is some of the, the bigger clubs now merging and everything else. But, um, they're kind of sticking to it they're going you know we want we, we we know who we are this is what we want to be and um it's not necessarily about um creating the the best soccer players about creating the best experience for our families and everything else yeah community. it's
0: that it's that community feel like everybody that's involved in it is going to be there for the day and then post game right like there's food. Obviously you're talking about the barbecue, but at the end of the game, it's probably centered. I, I don't, I don't know the picture here, but I would imagine it's centered around a clubhouse and then everybody sort of congregates post-match and has food and, and, and hangs out
1: with each other. For, for sure. I mean, it uh, <laughs> turns into dancing or card games or whatever's going on, you know, it's something else every single day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I
0: saw it. I was recruiting in Jamaica um, at one of the colleges I was working for and um, it was a little, as I hear you describe it, that's the exact image that I saw, right? You'd go and the youth would play earlier in the day, and then the the top team, the first team would play later in the day. And basically you had the clubhouse, which is the locker room, and then just behind it there was an open area and they were just cooking food and like that was going to be the rest of the night. You know, after the game, people were gonna be there and the club was gonna be there and the players were gonna be there and it was just a different environment. It was something I hadn't seen before.
1: It's yeah. not- I think but. it's, I think it's, it's something that we've almost created here. You know, we got the, we got the pro team on top of us, you know, it's, 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 we need to get those younger kids out to watch that soccer. Um, it was something that I looked at every single day was on the field next to us was, was that top level. What I thought at that time was top level soccer. You know, we didn't have a professional team in Milwaukee and you see that major team, you know, they, well, obviously amateur team, but we call them majors at the time. It was those top guys that are, um, you know, trying to make it somewhere, but there wasn't a lot of soccer back then professionally, you know, back in the, in the A league, what was there probably 16 teams that you could play for the indoor. I think at the time it was probably 25 teams, you know, so all of, all of us, the top level soccer, you had 30 teams that you're, you're trying to make money with and guys couldn't do it. So you looked at that amateur men's team and uh, you wanted to be them. And I think we have an opportunity here with Independence that these kids need to go watch that soccer and want to be them if, you know, if that's if if that's what they want to do.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you grew up uh, up until eighth grade. You were playing for a little bit more of a local club and then you switched over to a bigger club uh, with some some German background. Uh, And I would imagine that took you through the rest of your high school career and then off to what was an NAIA school. But then was D2 while you were there. Was that Parkside? Is that right?
1: Yeah, correct. Um, you know, actually it's kind of funny, uh, how much playing and how well I did as grade school. I went to high school and, uh, didn't got cut for two years. <laughs> didn't, didn't make, didn't make varsity, uh, kind of laughed my, uh, even my what, sophomore year, my gym teacher gave me a, a B minus in gym class and all we did was soccer that semester. So <laughs> I wasn't a team player, but, uh, so it's kind of funny there. I was, a, I was really small. I was one of the smaller kids in the class. And, um, you know, that camp that I went to, uh, all those college coaches were there and, um, the guy that ran it was fighting for me. So he, he actually vouched for me, didn't have the best grades and, um, he took a chance on me. And so, uh, Parkside became, it was a division two at the time when I, when I went and, um, uh, he took a chance on me and that was one of my only offers and, uh, ended up taking it. And And is it
0: out of Milwaukee? Is it out of the Wisconsin area?
1: 30 minutes outside Milwaukee, about an hour from Chicago.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. My geography isn't great, but okay. I just wanted to know how close it was. Let me, let me interrupt real quick. Cause I think this idea, I was also cut or didn't make varsity for my high school team until my junior year. Um, you know, and I think I was, I, I played on a very good club team. I played on one of the first North Mech club teams, you know, and, um, we had a great high school career and we had a bunch of good players, but at the end of the day, I think there's only five of us maybe that went on to play college soccer, you know, and I went to play division three. And, and most of the other kids that went on to play went on to play division one. Um, I mean you've been doing this long enough. There's there's a there's a there's a phrase that they talk about a lot in jiu-jitsu, which is one of my hobbies that unfortunately I can't do now during covid. Um, but it's it's keep showing up, you know. If you want to get better, just keep showing up, you know. People fall off all the time, but if you keep showing up, you'll get there. At least that's how it felt for me, but I know a whole on a whole lot of players that weren't on their top club teams that went on to have great college careers and even some of them went on to play in the pros. And obviously you played in the pros after taking two years to make it onto your varsity team. So just didn't know if any, any of that resonated with you.
1: It's it's true. Um, You know, there's a, there's a book out there. I wish I remember the name, but they talk about 10,000 hours of, of, of work in, in your craft and. um, Tipping point Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yeah. Great book. Um, Everyone should read it. I mean, obviously if you're, if you plan to play soccer, your kids playing soccer and you want a future. And it's it's, it's a great book just to get some ideas on it or anything in life that you do but, um, I, it was, it was something that I knew I had to do every day. Well, I, I guess I didn't have to do it. I enjoyed it, you know, so I did it. Um, my, my two younger brothers were actually better than, better than I, um, uh, my middle brother played pro, um, alongside me with both clubs and, um, had his chance at MLS. He ended up getting a, a bad injury. The youngest brother, probably the best skill. He was just, uh, we call him a little soft. So, uh, same thing. He went, he went to college and he had a, he had a bad injury, um, which actually he ended up leaving the college and he was a little bit too young to get into, the, into the teams in Milwaukee, just because we were, we were pretty stacked. We did pretty well at the time. And so, uh, they both moved on, both moved on to great careers, um, and other things, but, um, it was that we, you know, we, out there. it was competition. We went out there. It was no matter if it was one-on-one, uh, take t- touches on the ball. I like to joke around that, um, It's stupid soccer games. You know, you look, you see those videos right now that people are making tons of money of doing stupid tricks. That was us. I mean, it was punting the ball over the house and running around to try to catch it. You know, it was putting it up on the garage, letting it roll down and juggle. Um, It was bending around um, the fence through the basketball hoop, whatever it was. That's what we were doing every single day. And we made it fun Um, and um, just out on the street doing it. Um, And I, 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 there's, there's no science to it. It's the more you're touching it, the more you're playing, the more, more fun you have. Um, You know, it's, it's going to, it's going to make you want to do it. And um, we were, we were pretty fortunate, but uh, a little bit lucky in that as well.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Remember, remember when we were doing all the return to play and prior to return to play all the at-home training, you know, obviously the more you do it, the more reps you get, the better you're going to get. Right. But if you can have a purpose to it, or like you said if you can make it a competition and you were fortunate to have brothers to compete against you know but if you can make it a game it, it doesn't matter what the game is if there's a way to win and then you try to go win it's going to accelerate that development so that's 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 excellent to hear all right cool well let's um so played at parkside scored a ton of goals you were a forward right yep. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so there's one stat that that so if you I, I pulled this off of our own website and it's under the futsal development program but Pat's one of the few players that have 50 goals in college and 50 assists. I think that's just fantastic. What kind of forward were you before we transitioned into futsal? Like, what was
1: your game? How did you play? I read the lines really well. I created a lot of breakaways. I, I had good speed back then. He wouldn't notice now with me, but um, I could uh, I could get behind the line. Um, I read that very well. I read defenders. I could run all day. Um um, you know, my mile times are really good in high school and, uh, my five mile times are great. So I could run, um, my goal is to run a defender. Also, I realized really young that, um, if I'm struggling against one defender, you know, maybe he's bigger or he's stronger or he's faster, change it up. You know, so I, I, I feel bad now, but I used to use the other forwards as kind of pawns. It's like, Hey, let's switch sides. <laughs> you know, one, it, it was you know, me to get on a side where I could maybe take on someone slower, but I could read that game really well. And so I put that guy over there. He'd get beat up a little bit, and I'd create some of my chances through. Um, also, I could hit a ball really well, and I was going to get on any to- any ball that was in the box I was going to be on top of. I mean, I think that's one thing I start to teach my kids that I'm working with right now is know where the goal is at all times, and you only need a little bit of space. Um, and then reading the goalie. You know, if we're on the right side of the field, that goalkeeper is taking away the near post. Um, and so, uh, just a little, the little things I learned, um, early, probably from playing, practice and everything else all the time is I was really good around the box.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. So you played a park side and then you played MPSL. and correct me, is MPSL indoor or is it outdoor?
1: Yeah. So the, obviously the indoor game has changed. There's a bunch of different leagues, a bunch of different names back in the day. Well, probably more when MOS came around. Well, even back even back before that, um, they they would um, kind of go into foreclosure or bankruptcy, and then a new league would come in and take over. Um, or there was a first division a second division, and then different names, and one would fall apart, and the other one would jump in. So there was NPSL, MISL, you name it. There was a couple different leagues. I think the name even right now it might even be Major League Soccer. ML, uh, I don't even know what it is right now, MISL, Major yeah. Indoor Soccer League. Indoor soccer league yeah. yeah, so it's changed so much. So NPSL, I think at the time when I came out, um, my senior year, um, middle of my senior year, I got drafted by both the, the Rampage, which at the time was uh, the A-League, and um was the first year MLS, and then also the Wave, um, Milwaukee Wave, which is the indoor NPSL team at the time. So I got drafted by both of those. Um, the Milwaukee wave was in season. So they typically started around October, uh, uh, September, October. And then it was December, I think 18th. I got drafted by them. Um, A-League wasn't starting, obviously. Outdoor wasn't starting until um, you know, March, April. And so I got a call, I think on the 19th said, hey, we want to sign you. Um after Christmas, come to a practice. Um, and so it was the 26th showed up at the Bradley center where the bucks played Monkey bucks played. We played at the same arena as them. And, uh, that morning, the practice was going on. We watched it from one of the, one of the suites. We watched the practice. Uh, my dad, I, and coach came up and said, Hey, I want to sign you. So we went in and, uh, my first contract was 900 bucks a week, uh, month, <laughs> but as my, my hometown team. I'm still in college. I was like, I'm whatever, you know, I didn't, I didn't negotiate. I signed the contract and, uh, he said, all right, we have a game tonight. We'll see you there. <laughs> and um, I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He said, we have an injury. Um, this is back in the day, only a certain amount of guys you could have on the roster um, and play and things like that. So I was the 18th guy at the time. Showed up. I, he told, said I was going to play. Um, my mom didn't know I was going to play. We didn't tell her. And uh, showed up and uh, he said, get there a half an hour before the guys get there. He had on the board what they play. And uh, that was my first pro game um was that night I was we had three lines so kind of like hockey you play three lines I was on the third line got in and um played 300 what 355 straight games after that uh, didn't miss a game so it was kind of crazy how that uh yeah that's so that's
0: longevity was. there but it's right. a lot of games <laughs> Yeah. so that's what like 10 years 10 years of uh
1: so that was back. It was, it was, uh, no, so we, we played about 44 games a season at that time. So it was what six or seven years. That was before I got injured. Okay. Um, I did, then I did play 10 years. Um, that, that spring, um, there was a little rift between the indoor outdoor. So they wouldn't allow guys to play for both kind of cause they over, they over uh, overlap about a month. So I, they, they didn't sign me outdoors. So I went and actually played with a team called Chicago stingers And uh, played for them for about a year. The next year, I started again. They didn't have they they didn't allow players to do it. Um, Bob Ganser was the was the coach at um, um, Rampage, and um, you know he's trying to get me to come over. But they uh, in the middle of the season, they finally said, "Hey, guys, can go back and forth." So he asked me to go. Well, at the time, the Rampage was eight and eight in their league, and um, we were. I think 19 and three or something stingers. And, uh, yeah. We ended up uh, beating Colorado Rapids in the open cup. Um, and then we were playing Dallas burn and I think the quarterfinals and, um, it calls me up at that time, right in the middle of that. And I was like, I, I, you guys are eight and eight. You guys are going to miss the playoffs. So we went through, we ended up getting to the quarterfinals, losing to Dallas burn. But, um, you know, that back at the time we were USISL team and, um, some of the other guys go to the Rampage and the Rampage ended up winning it that year. I think they played one of the North Carolina teams, but they won the championship um, that year and we ended up losing. So uh, it's kind of funny on that one. So the next year I ended up going to, more, to Rampage, which now I'm playing in Milwaukee, you know, indoor, outdoor, my hometown. Um, and that's actually when I started picking up coaching. Yeah. Um,
0: well, so. I think this is a good segue for, for futsal. So you were playing indoor, you're playing outdoor. It sounds like just a pure soccer junkie. You can't get it out of your blood out there all the time. How how did you? I kind of want to do two things here. I want to I want to know how you got into the futsal, um, how indoor helped or didn't help, or you know how it was different, uh, and then just sort of like an explanation of how futsal is different and how it's helpful for for outdoor soccer as well. So for anybody that might not know, futsal is uh, an indoor indoor soccer game. It's uh, it's on a hard court as opposed to like it's artificial turf. The ball's a bit smaller, a bit heavier. Um, is it is it six v six, Pat? Is it five v five and a keeper? Yeah, four in a goalie, five v five. Five v five, okay. Um, and the ball moves really, really fast. And, and uh, one of the major differences, and Pat will actually, you know, give a lot better insight here than I will. But one of the major differences is you're on the ball all the time, and the ball moves fast, and you're using your sole, or your foot a whole lot. And there's just a lot more pressure, and the game actually looks a little different as well. So, how did you get into the U.S. national futsal team? Was it the first time you played futsal? And what are some of the differences and keys? Uh, for futsal
1: yeah so my second year of um indoor soccer pro indoor soccer um my coach at the time was Keith Tozer. Keith Tozer is trying to do the PFL the professional futsal league he actually is um one of the highly licensed um you know international licensed coach for futsal he's around teaching growing the game um he was my coach for indoor um and um that year 1996 his former coach, John Kowalski, um, couldn't make a trip. It was uh, the CONCACAF Championships in Guatemala and um, asked Tozer to take his spot. Tozer played for him in one of the um, tournaments earlier, maybe 10 years earlier or whatever else, one of the first years that they did it, and, um, or it was a sanctioned FIFA event. And so he went down, he was going down to Guatemala and he needed a player, um, and some kind of a two-way player. And that's kind of what I was, as a two-way player. And um, someone some was some Me, energy. Meaning was, you played and,
0: offense and defense?
1: Yeah. You know, I work hard to get back defense, even though I was an offensive player, I'd kind of play anywhere. So needed someone that um, read the game well and everything else. So he, he said, hey, Pat, you want to go to Guatemala? Guatemala." Now, I don't know if it was necessarily my how, if I was good enough or if I was available at that time you know, it was, it was, this an easy one. I need a player to go. And so, uh, it's actually kind of funny. I was, I, I, I traveled to Guatemala. I don't know. At that time, I wasn't too many. I wasn't in too many countries, uh, especially South America and so or Central America. And so, um, I jumped at it. Uh, I remember the first day I, we walked out, it was, a uh, outdoor, outdoor court, um, turf, uh, turf, outdoor court in Guatemala. And, um, we had our first practice and, uh, the first, we were there about a week early and uh, big, obviously uh CONCACAF finals. It was to go to the world cup to qualify for the world cup. And, um,
0: CONCACAF is the, is the FIFA region that
1: the United States is in. It's yeah.
0: who we have to compete against in order to qualify for different FIFA events. Obviously yeah. it translates to not just the U S men's and women's national teams for 11 v 11. Obviously it's also for the futsal installment,
1: correct? Yep. Correct. And, uh, <laughs> not one of the guys on our team, um, played uh, futsal before, you know, they were all indoor guys. Um, a couple guys that have gone through MLS. Um, Ted Eck was a guy back in the day. Um, there were some really talented indoor guys on there, guys that I looked up for, you know, 10 years before watching, playing indoor in Milwaukee or playing against Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, we had a hard time with even getting the ball in bounds. The ball had to be stopped, you know, um, it couldn't roll a little bit or, um, you know, just the different rules of the ball going out of bounds all the time, guys from indoor soccer, you know, it was, it was always in. So the, the playing quick, the defense and offense, and um, it worked out. We went on, to, we went on to win that, that championship. Um, we beat Guatemala in the finals. Um, I don't, I don't remember the score, but uh, went from, from that. And what it was, it was, it was that we were all indoor guys. We all, we all knew that the game of defending together, you know, getting four at that time, you know, obviously four in a goalie, getting four behind the ball you know, pressing and talking and cover. Um, and I think that's really what helped us is we brought the indoor game to futsal. Um, back the next year, we ended up playing Brazil for the first time. They came to America, uh, to the U.S. We played at the Bradley Center. It was one of the first professional, or I guess international futsal games on, on, on um, American soil. So it was at the Bradley Center and we had, we had Brazil there. They beat us nine to one. And um, at that time, um their their shifts were 10 minute shifts so it was is 25 minute halves and what they did is the got the, the four guys would go out there for 10 minutes they'd play for 10 minutes they'd sub the next guys would come in for 10 minutes and those starters then would come in the last five minutes well at the time i think brazil played 180 180 games a year this was our like eighth game <laughs> international of that year so 9 one wasn't bad right but um You go and watch. Let
0: me interrupt. Did futsal start in Brazil?
1: Is futsal a Brazilian word? So everyone tries to claim it. They have the sala, you know. So um, the sala is a big game, which I I think is Ecuador. Um, You know, um, so South America, a lot of them claim it. They say a different thing. Uh, Futsal is um, kind of um, FIFA recognizes them. You know, so there's a little fight back and forth of sala Futsal, what is it? There's a little heavier ball with Salah. And um, so there's a little bit of fight of what who started it and when. But I think it goes all the way back to Ecuador. Um, Colombia, uh, Colombia as well, is, is big in starting it. Um, it's really a street game, yeah. you know, a street game. Um, so... But the, it, I think the indoor, you know, for a long time, too, even I think about the next five years, because I played for the futsal team 2006, and then again in 2004 when there was the World Cup. And um, in that meantime, um, the pure futsal, which it's funny saying pure futsal clubs in the U.S., but they were starting to become futsal clubs in the U.S. And those guys were saying, hey, let's put real futsal guys in there because we were indoor soccer guys. Right. And so what we started to do then was – um, kind of interact with them a little bit and have, you know, games. We'd go play in their championships and stuff like that. And we ended up winning. Um, but now what's happened is futsal has grown so much now. Most of the national team now is predominantly futsal guys. guys that have been growing up the last, you know, 10 years. And it's, it's still so new, um, but even 10 years is new. Um, so predominantly now futsal guys we have in the U S which is, is great to see. So it's an opportunity for kids that want to start playing have that ability even male and female to play in these futsal national teams
0: all right so i was listening to those stories so i had a couple questions right so initially um you guys played in guatemala for the Concacaf championship one of your first events and it was on turf so is futsal sometimes on turf is it is it predominantly on like a hard court um what what are the what are the typical rules or general rules or do they just change constantly
1: it's typically a court, but it it, it changes no matter where you are. Again, you're in those countries, right? They have to make do what works. Um, it was a rainy season at the time in Guatemala, and so that probably gave the most uh, probably the safest. Um, there was a time uh, we were in uh, China Taipei. We played uh, Spain in a kind of friendly ahead of time to get going, and you, it was it was so slick. I mean, you're you're like on ice skates at places. Even even the leagues that we did here with CIC by the last game, you know, with all the particles that come in and dust and things like that, it's the kids are on, on, on ice out there. So um, it's a game predominantly on, uh, on hard court, um, you know, depending on, you know, how they have the, the wood courts and things like that. Um, we play on tennis courts. Um, there's a lot of a, a clubs around that um, take over tennis courts and um, put some goals up there and play. So, uh, really, it's a small fort, any space you can get, you know, um, it started, it started in those countries where um, there's no grass fields, and you got to play on the street. So um, uh, they make do, right?
0: Yeah, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, Ralph Lundy, shout out to Coach Lundy. He used to, they made some trip. they always did, uh, in college soccer, you're allowed to do an international trip every four years, and he, every four years, would take his team somewhere, and I used to work camps for him. Work camps for him for ten plus years, um, and he would he would always. He's he's such a statesman or such you know such such a strong presence, and he'd be talking to the camp, and he'd be talking about Brazil and futsal, and he'd be like in the city of Rio, underneath the interstate, the lights would be on all night, futsal all night. It was the greatest thing. This is this is where where I wanted to learn more about the differences, right? Because. When I was coaching college players, I had a couple of Brazilians. I had the Macedonian kid. Shout out to, to Mario Stokowski and uh, Lucas Potenza Ferreira, my Brazilian and my Macedonian that played for me at Newberry College. They were different when they played futsal. They, they, it was just different. You could tell immediately that these kids had played it before because they played the game differently. They were great 11 v. 11 players, but when they were on the futsal court, it was different. So when you guys played against the Brazilians, like Pat, was there a difference playing with the Brazilians? Like, did they look different? Did they play different? Or was it? Was it more of indoor soccer on a futsal court from the Brazilians as well as from the Americans when you played
1: them? Yeah. um, So Brazil was very connected. And and what I mean by that is they knew what each other was doing before they got the ball. Um, Four guys that knew where they were going to be at all times. Um, Even when teaching the kids right now, outdoor soccer, if you have the ball, you always want someone to your right, left, and you want someone to the center right? You want, you want your angles, um, your triangles, you want um, guys in, a, in a, a passing lane or, or uh, an option at all times. And that's kind of what futsal is. You have, you, once you get the ball from the goalkeeper, you can't give it back until you get over half. And so when you have that ball in a tight area, guys have to move quickly to get to be an option. And so you need someone to your right, you need someone to your left, and you need someone in the center. And if you don't have someone to the right, it you quickly realize as other guys that, hey, I have to get there. I have to get to that right. If you don't get to that right, um, the defenders, now if there's not someone to that right, it's easy to show guys a certain way. So you're breaking everything down to the smallest angle, the smallest part, their weakest foot. Um, you know, there's so many pro guys that can't go left and if you can show them to the left or into a teammate or out of bounds um, you're going to win that matchup. And so everything of the game of futsal is broken out and, and these Brazilians that first of all the things that they could do with that ball um it being a it be in a ball that doesn't really bounce it's underneath the foot at all times um it's it, i mean it's it's fun to watch i mean if, if you can go to youtube and just look up brazilian foot brazilian national futsal games the speed of play the, the ball sticks to their foot and you know even one of the i was talking to one of the coaches this past week we had a Futsal developmental program where we, we practice every for five Sundays. We actually did it for eight Sundays with the group because of COVID and the first, first day, these kids are eight yards apart and it was like deer on ice. You know, if you ever see Bambi on ice, these kids couldn't pass a ball because it was hard um, to lock their ankle. I mean, they're 11 year old kids and they're having a hard time locking their ankle. They hit this hard ball and balls are going all over the place. And then you watch them the last week, and the ball staying inside this court. Um, is unbelievable to see in, in five to eight weeks. Right, and just that, the difference or the improvement. Yeah, because you're on a basketball-sized court, and think about it, if you just miss hit them a little bit, it's a slick surface. It's going to run. Bounce, yeah, it's going to run. And you watch these guys um, at the at the highest level um, keep this ball in play in a tight area, 4v4, is very difficult. And so that speed of play, um, not only with it, with the ball, but without the ball is, is so important and, and they're so good at it.
0: Yeah. And then the individual skill, I mean, you mentioned it with the YouTube videos, like, I, and maybe, maybe I'm just watching all the, all the fancy stuff, but if, 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 I'm looking at futsal highlights or if I see futsal highlights that come up on my YouTube feed, it's, it's almost, it's almost free form, you know, it, it, it looks different. You know, they're doing some magical, magical things with the soccer ball and maybe sometimes they're an exhibition match and we're having a little bit of fun with it. Um, but I think that ball sticking underneath the foot, and just that tight, tight, close control. Is it because the pressure's just there? It's a smaller pitch and there's more pressure on you more often. And you can't play the goalkeeper. Does it demand more
1: of the individual skill? I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, you talk about that. Hey, why do I have to do this trick? Well you usually have to do this trick because there's no space to to get it to somebody else. Um, in that game, I can show you to the outside and take away the three defenders by one little, you know, by just stepping one step left, I can show you out of bounds and take away three guys because of the tight area. And so for you, you have to get out of that area. How do you get out of that space? You know, and that's where balls are coming over heads or lifted up or, um, the the you know the three scissors before they do it or or whatever has to happen, and um it the more you're doing it you know right the more you're in tough situations you're gonna figure out how to get out of it, um and if you can't what do you got to go do you got to go practice it more, um so it, it it creates that environment that you have to do it,
0: yeah less space more pressure less options obviously there's less players on the pitch as well and. I, I don't I don't think I knew that you couldn't go back to the goalkeeper until you cross the half. Right. When I'm playing futsal or, or playing futsal, we're, we're typically just playing indoor soccer with a futsal ball on a basketball court. Yeah. And even even in our league right
1: now, um, we had a lot of you know, we don't have necessarily all goalkeepers on all the teams. So we have defenders in there. So a lot of the, the time right now is the teaching purposes. And hey, let's go back to the goalkeeper, you know, because we want to still replicate getting these kids better at outdoor. We're an outdoor club right now. Let's get these kids better at outdoor as well. We want to use our goalkeeper, get out of pressure. Um, so there's two parts to it, right? You're you're um, getting your goalkeepers involved, but then are you hindering your offensive player of getting out of these situations by letting them go back to the goalkeeper? Um, so you, you could go either way with that. Um, the one biggest thing for us this year was obviously getting the kids to um, know what the game of futsal is, right? Introduce them to futsal.
0: Yeah, so... We started a futsal program this year. Uh, it started over the winter. We had multiple options, right? We did we did a couple different leagues. Obviously, we had a bunch of changes with the mass mandate, and uh, you know, numbers numbers were up and down a little bit. But overall, I think it was a lot of success. But we did leagues with futsal, but then we also did this developmental program. So, what is what is CIS current offering, and and what does the future hold in terms of futsal?
1: Yeah. So I was hired as a futsal director, I think last February. And, you know, they said, let's start a futsal program. And, um, you know, we're a club of what, nine, 10,000 kids. You know, how do you, how do one guy go off a lot for, for futsal in that? And so we had some grand, um, plans, you know, in February, all of a sudden you get to end of February, March and, and that kind of sidetracked. And so the hardest thing for us right now was knowing if we had facilities. And so this year, the goal was introduce the kids to futsal. And so I think it was at October, you know, the season's going on, outdoor season's kind of going on. And I I think October 28th, I got a call and said, Hey, you have, you have five gyms around Charlotte, do something. (laughs) And, um, I think November, November 3rd, I had out a little plan, um, which was, um, offering some type of league so that they could kind of just compete against each other. And, um, so, we had our independence futsal, which was primarily for um, any kid interested. So, anyone from inside the club or outside the club, but it was predominantly our local teams, um, our blue teams, our tan teams, things like that, that signed up for it. What that was is individual sign up. And um, if you requested to be on a team with, a, with a, uh, a teammate, we put you with some of your teammates, or we just kind of put kids from that area on a team. So, it could be a Cabarrus slash Huntersville team. Um, and that was anywhere from under 10s through high school divisions, girls and boys. Um, I think we had, um, probably about, around 400 kids in that program there. Um, the other leagues where we did ECNL, uh, boys league, and then we did ECNL girls league. Uh, that was just six games. Again, we took, um, a couple O twos, a couple of threes, a couple of fours, a couple of fives and put them all on a different team, you know, a couple of twos, a couple of threes, a couple of fours on a team, and then kind of did the same with the, with the other teams.
0: Right. They made a high school age group.
1: Yeah. And just competed against their teammates, you know, try to make it competitive that way. Um, And the kids came in, loved it. It was, it was fun to watch those, those kids play in there. One, because, um, you know, they're such talented players outdoor and they, some of them had a hard time, you know, Um, there was scores. I gave the, I gave the boys, Coaches a hard time. I said some of these scores are ECNL boys were twenty to twenty to eighteen. Don't they work on some defense out there? <laughs> you know, but um, you know they had they had so much. But again, the other side of it is they're they're pretty good offensively. So, <laughs> you know, I guess you're you're gonna if you're beating teams four or three, it's all right, right? So, um, and then the we had the developmental futsal, which was just a training session. Um, some of our coaches that are really interested in futsal um learning more um or been a big part of it like Emily who has some national champions from last year she takes the younger girls she helps me Jay um Lockhart down South Kiara um are were big help in that and love the game or um uh, want to be more involved in that they came out and we did some trainings on Sundays for these these groups and then we had the recreational futsal which was introducing the game to our recreational program as well
0: and so what's the, what's the future hold for the futsal program? Is this something that's always going to be a winter program? Is it, is, do we keep the leagues? Do we keep the developmental program? What's, I know things are always changing and we're adapting to, to the current circumstances, particularly with, with coronavirus, but what, what is a, a quick outlook? And if you're interested, you know, where do we find this information?
1: Yeah. So we're, we're going to, we have one more week of futsal. We end next week with um, our developmental program or recreational program. Our leagues are done right now, but um, we're kind of reevaluate. I, I, right now, the biggest thing for us, is it comes down to the gym space, right? Um, the hardest part for our fam- our families were great this year because we're at five different facilities. So Kids from steel Creek were, or the South were driving the North for games. Also all our courts right now have one court, mm-hmm. um, you know, parents couldn't go and watch. And so The one thing we want to be able to do is uh, start opening up to where we have two or three gyms where we can get, you know, the brother and sister next to each other rather than one brother in uh, uh, Mooresville and one in Steel Creek. So reevaluating that, finding space, um, is it outdoor space? You know, again, you can do it anywhere. So our our goal is to continue to have leagues, the training environment we want to, we have camp set up for spring break right now. We have a south camp and a, a north camp for spring break. We want to we want to have it more in the summer. Um, so there are camps there. But we also want to create is a higher level um, kind of yearly program for them. Um, a lot of clubs around the futsal clubs call it Academy. Um, what, what we want to do is give the kids more futsal throughout the year um, and more of that will come out probably in the next month.
0: Right. So we've got the spring break camps. Uh, we've got possibly a, a year long program called something, something like the Academy. This is all stuff that we're still working on. So I'm sure some of this will change. And then I'm assuming that we'll still keep some sort of version of our leagues going. And I guess the last thing, right, is like, and I, I've got the answer for this, but why would, why would players, why would players want to play futsal? Why should they play futsal? What, what does it benefit them?
1: Well, I look back. So when I, when I was playing pro indoor soccer and outdoor soccer, they always said to me, which one do you like better? And when the end of outdoor was coming, I couldn't wait for indoor to start, you know, it's, it's, it's a different game, but I couldn't wait to get on the field with a couple different players. Um, it changed it up, you know, 44 games, of indoor and then coming to outdoor, I was like, all right, I want to get on the field and run, you know, I I don't want to run just 10 yards. So it's a very different, it's a different fitness. I mean, it took a good month between indoor and outdoor to get that fit for that, that um, different game. And it's kind of the same thing here. Um, It, 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 it's a different fitness. So guys, you have to figure it out, but they both kind of help each other, right? The things I can do in outdoor, I can't do in futsal. Um, the things I can do in futsal, I can do outdoor, but I need to maybe do more, you know? Um, so, so you could be really good at outdoor, but you might not be good at futsal and vice versa. And so it's good to play both to kind of, um, polish up some of your skills, but also see what you really struggle, struggle at. I took a, a back about two years ago, I took one of that when, when I was first here, I came in and I, I went with the developmental Academy back with, um, Kevin Flanagan and I had their 11s and 12s, and I put them through a session, and they couldn't believe how much their kids struggled in space, you know. And they never really noticed it because in the outdoor game, they don't—they're not in that—they're not in trouble as much. They can get mean, rid of it. Meaning, know?
0: they struggled with having less space and more pressure earlier. Is that—is yeah. that what that meant?
1: Okay. Correct. Yeah. And so it, they lost the ball so much, and all of a sudden, in the 15 minutes of the practice. I'm putting them in situations where some of their top kids who they think have the best skill lost the ball all the time. They never realized how much um, their players didn't move to get the ball. You know, um, if I take a group of kids right now and we go into a session, one of my first sessions would be how to create space for a teammate or how to, you know, how, how to move quickly. And you'll see so much. One of the things we teach kids is after you pass the ball, move you'll see in these first sessions how much these kids don't move after they pass the ball. Well, imagine how much um, if in a 15-minute training session, if you can get these kids to move, how much better is that for outdoor after they pass the ball? You yeah, the,
0: the, the, the big – what's the word here? Um, the competitive restrictions of futsal, right? There's, there's a couple things that just from like a fundamental standpoint that are different and they demand different things, right? You're on a smaller, faster pitch or court. With less players, so what that means is there's less space and pressure gets there earlier, so the game comes a bit faster, right? And you have less options, which requires more movement off the ball of your teammates. Um, and then probably the biggest thing, and this is why we do four v four, six v six in training, right? We do it partially because we don't always have twenty two kids at a training session. So you can't just do eleven v eleven all the time. But when you run, this is this is more for the parents when they're thinking about it. When you run a 5v5 like futsal is, or you run a 4v4, which is what the field players are in futsal, there's only four players on the team that are going to get the ball. You know, you're going to have more actions, you're going to have more time on, not time on the ball, you're going to get the ball more often in a, in a smaller environment than you are when you play 11v11. You know, it's a little scary when you do the math of how much you actually touch the ball in 11v11 and then you compare that to the futsal environment, you're just going to touch the ball way more often.
1: Yeah, I think they say, what, 600% more touches in futsal?
0: I would imagine it. I mean, nobody's going to like this. Players always hated it when I did it with them, right? This is typically for the college kids when they're like, Coach, why are we running? <laughs> you know? and like, well, probably because I'm unhappy, but <laughs> there's other reasons as well. You know, I said, hey, look, you got, you got 10 field players uh, on your team, right? You know, not counting the goalkeeper, even though in the modern game the goalkeeper touches the ball all the time. Um, so let's just say the game for 11 v. 11 is 90 minutes, and you have the ball 50% of the time, the opposition has it. of the time. So 45 minutes of the ball time. Right. And then you say, okay, well, there's 10 players, um, 10 players on your team. How much of that is going to have the time when the ball is, you know, out of bounds, it's going to be out of bounds for five, 10 minutes in the game. So you're really looking at 40 or 35 minutes, you know, and then you divide it, uh, by the number of players. If, and this isn't exactly how it works, but you divide it by the number of players on your team that you're going to share the ball with. So you take 40 minutes and divide it by 10, that's four minutes. And most kids aren't going to touch the ball for Four minutes in an actual 11 v 11 soccer game you know and that's four minutes out of 90 minutes but in futsal you're just going to be on the ball all the time and the requirements to move like i really love this idea that you know there's less space you have to do more to create space for your teammates right and i'm just thinking about rotating players and checking in and out and getting there earlier and that's always going to be a benefit for, for 11 v 11 and it's a requirement and it's obvious when you don't do it and then the game, the competitive pressures of the game forces the players to do it more often. So, more time mm-hmm. on the ball, higher requirements, more movement. It, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I love the fact that you're running the futsal
1: program for us. Yeah, well, when you talk about that competitive pressure, you know, you look at an outdoor game. If I'm a forward and I lose the ball, you have nine players behind you to win the ball.
0: Mm-hmm, In futsal,
1: mm-hmm. you lose that ball, it's going back a 2v1 the other way, it's going a 1v1 the other way. And so every single time you touch the ball, if you don't take care of it, that turnover creates a scoring opportunity for the other team. And that's, that's, the, that's the excitement about futsal. You look over and, and you, you go watch parents. So there's a competitive, say, a championship game in a, in a local league, and you watch the parents. They're biting their nails and they're freaking out. They don't, they're, they're looking at the score of the game. They're not realizing that their kid just gave up that, that ball – because they don't have the skill to get around the player. And also now it turned into a goal the other way. And they're yelling at the defender or goalkeeper. And they didn't realize that their forward should be getting back and defending, you know? So what I like about it, especially I talked about being a two way player is in futsal, you have to play offense and defense, you know, also if you look at the outdoor game now with um, kind of your starting line or your pressure line, um, some teams drop back to half, some drop back further futsal um the high pressure or low pressure is so important um we have we have some parents in the past who have gotten upset and i like to call it um i learned this with the national team or even the pro indoor team from coach dozer is we have low pressure we have high pressure and we have low high pressure which means tell me more we're gonna so your high pressure obviously is is going man on man right your low pressure dropping back it could be man on man but zone let them get over half before you pressure, take away their space. And then the low pressure though, the low high is when they, when you, you drop back to get organized, and then once the ball down, you go high, you know, in the outdoor game, you look at a, a team that has three, three forwards, right? Why do we play three forwards? We want to score a lot of goals. Well, those three forwards really are there to defend, to win more balls at a higher area. You drop back to one, two. Now you're letting them create more space going forward, or they have more space in front of, the defense to get higher up the field and so one of the big things for for me is dropping back be organized now if that team is struggling a little bit well let's bring that that line up higher but if we go high pressure what am I going to do on the opposite, offensive side I'm going to throw the ball right so it teaches these kids right away of where do we want to set that line right get our teams together if we're getting beat over the top let's drop back and make them put it down Um, when do we go? Um, the communication, if I'm going to go, we all have to go. Um, are we, are we forcing them left? Are we forcing them right? Um, the next side is now the offensive side. Are they pressuring us? Well, if they're pressuring us, we're not going to roll it to the player in our box. We're going to look a little bit, a little bit deeper. We're now we create a one-v-one, um, the runs to the ball, the support of that. So, I mean, it's just, it's a game right there. I mean, we, I just talked about a thousand things that, um, we can do in our next practice where the outdoor game that forward losing that ball, (laughs) it's not turning into two V one going the other way for a goal. Um, so it it really breaks down every mistake that you do and every mistake in futsal is a goal either way or either direction. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, guys, this is, this is, this has been Pat white for for the podcast, the back of the net cisc soccer podcast he runs our futsal program um if your kids love soccer if your kids are looking for more and we're always talking about that there's no better way than to get out there and play games and and to learn new skills and the futsal program is going to be a big big impact so i can't recommend it enough anytime my players are asking about it i tell my parents if your kid wants to play soccer then they need to be jumping in on this it's like it's like extra training but also extra games and extra fun and I'm really excited for it. I think there's a lot of room and a big niche that Pat's going to be able to fill and hopefully the club's going to, the players and the membership are going to jump into it because I, I think there's a lot of value. Pat, why don't you sign us off? Anything you want to end with? And I really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, I, I think our Futsal program, obviously in the, next, in the next couple of days we'll be getting out the the, the spring break camps, but in the next uh, couple of weeks, next two weeks or so, our camp schedule will come out. And no matter if it's Futsal or camp, um they're both designed kind of this for the same reasons is to improve the individual player and no matter if it's um you know the four v four, the three v three things that we talked about of futsal that same thing is is kind of our camp program um we have some of the top staff obviously all our directors are out there doing camps i mean I've, i've had everyone in our you know jeff billick out there obviously you barry out there doing i think maybe you were at the recreational camp Um, where can you go for a recreational camp around the country that you get buried? You know, one of our top, don't don't scare them off, you know, so we have, we have really high qualified staff. We had what 1600, 1700 kids through, through camp last year. And we had, we had four, um, we had, I I don't want to say this and jinx it, but we had four complaints last year out of that many kids coming through, you know, and it was, it was, it was some silly thing. I, I, I can't say silly, but right. It was small things. And when you have a great staff, you know, the kids have fun, the kids learn, and they they go away happy. And if the kids are coming away happy, right, it makes for a better household. And so I, I really um, think that kids, you know, get get out and play some futsal, get out and get some, the camps in the summer, keep these kids moving, and they're really going to enjoy it. I, we, have, we have one of the top camp programs around just because of our staff that does it.
0: Great. Well, Pat, thank you again. Uh, it's been a really fun conversation. This has probably been our longest one ever, so hopefully people will <laughs> listen to all the end. But I, like I told you before we did this, I was excited to talk about futsal with somebody that's got a great background in soccer and in futsal as well. So thank, thank you so much, Pat.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it.